You are listening to a podcast from Vineyard Church of Augusta. For more information, visit vineyardaugusta.org. It is our privilege and pleasure to uh, to have a special guest speaker with us this morning. Uh, our theme for this month for compassion has been the wisdom of caring for the poor. And in Proverbs, we find uh, uh, the the wise saying that uh, you know the the what did we find? I'm just losing my uh, yes. I need wisdom right now, Lord. What is it? Yes. The idea that uh, a wise person uh, wins souls. And, and I was coming across that as I was looking at different passages in Proverbs that relate to caring and serving the poor. And he who wins souls is wise, uh, is the passage that I came across. And, uh, and certainly that was the impetus of winning souls, the passion uh, for starting Vineyard Church of Augusta back in 1987, uh, Thor Kohlberg and his wife Bonnie in their home in Evans. Uh, and starting this church, pastoring this church, uh, and going and starting another vineyard church in Huntersville, North Carolina back in 2003. Uh, today, Thor is uh, traveling the world, uh, teaching, training, equipping church leaders, church pastors, and church planters. Uh, and he's still uh, raising people up to share the good news of Jesus Christ through proclamation and demonstration. And it is an honor and a privilege for us to to help fund that ministry that he that he does. Uh, we look forward to doing that again this upcoming year. But it is always a delight to welcome Thor uh, back home. And would you please join me in welcoming Thor Kohlberg, our founding pastor? Thank you. <laughs> Reese, it's funny that you forget stuff now. <clears throat> I walk into my office to do something at home. It's home office. I, I, walk, I, I, I walk in with something on my mind. Two hours later, what did I come in here for? You know, get sidetracked. Bonnie's wearing hearing aids. <clears throat> Can I not tell that? I can't. Oh, well, she's going, to, she's going to be sitting in church, and uh, her hearing aids are attached to her iPhone, and so I think when Josh is preaching, she's going to be listening to me preach. Is that sneaky? <laughs> Anyhow, <clears throat> that's what she told me. I, I, don't, I don't know if it's going to happen, but, <laughs> but I think it might, so... Um, God is good, isn't he? I tell you what, it, it's good to, good to be back. Sometimes I, I, I just told Mary Margaret, I'm more nervous preaching to you guys than I've, when I'm preaching to hundreds in other countries. I just, this is nerve wracking. Um, <clears throat> but anyhow, here we go. Uh, pray with me. Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, set your kingdom in our midst. Lord Jesus, Son of the living God, have mercy on us sinners. And Holy Spirit, breath of the living God, renew us and all the world. Amen. I can't give you names and I can't name a country because um, it could get me in big trouble. And it could get another kid in big trouble too. But uh, in one of the countries in Latin America where there's uh, a lot of cartel work, um, I met this kid 
uh, I, I, they called me up and said, you're going to speak to 150 kids tonight. I said, awesome. And um, uh, so I spoke. And then this kid comes up to me with, with an interpreter and says, can, can we talk to you? I said, sure. Okay, privately. I said, yeah, okay, let's, let's go back there. And uh, so I went back there. And this kid is scared. I mean, he's really scared. He just had an encounter uh, with some cartel members. He was selling drugs, and he lost uh, 2,000 pesos, or I think that's around $150, and uh, lost it. Uh, and the cartel told him, you've got one week. You get us that $150, or we're going to kill you. And so he's, he's really scared. And uh, so I, I, you know, I, I said, okay, look, they're going to kill you either way. So why don't you just go find 150 bucks somewhere, find it, and borrow it, beg for it, pay the cartel off, and tell them you've just met Jesus, and you're through selling drugs, and you're through with the cartel. He said, okay. And then he, he looked me in the eye and he said, even if they kill me, I want you to know that I'm very grateful to you for bringing Jesus into my life. Boy, I almost lost it. And um, turned out really good. He found 150. Uh, cartel let him go. He's out. Uh, last I heard, he was looking for a job, and, uh, and I hope to see him in, actually, I hope to see him in about two or three weeks, I'll be there. And uh, uh, so, turned out really good. I love the Proverbs, the fruit, of the, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. Mark chapter 1, verse 14 after John's arrest, Jesus came into Galilee announcing good news. <clears throat> the time is fulfilled, he said. God's kingdom is arri arriving. Now, just underscore that kingdom thing, okay? It's arriving. Turn back and believe the good news. <clears throat> and he went along beside the Sea of Galilee. He saw Simon, his brother Andrew. They were fishermen, casting their nets into the sea. Follow me, said Jesus to them. I'll have you fishing for people. Straight away, they left their nets and followed him. <clears throat> now, the Bible regularly uses the metaphors of fishing and farming to explain evangelism. Remember, <laughs> this is really important because sometimes we forget it. Jesus wasn't talking to people who went fishing on weekends <laughs> or enjoyed a good bass tournament. Okay, he wasn't. He was speaking to People, men, whose survival depended on catching fish. And if the fishermen didn't catch fish on any one day, huh, their family didn't eat that day. Um, Jesus' kind of fishing meant catching fish. But he also spoke of farming as a metaphor for evangelism. Matthew 9, verse 35 Jesus went around all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, announcing the good news of, there it is again, the kingdom, 
and healing every disease and every sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he felt deeply sorry for them because they were distressed, dejected, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, there's plenty of harvest to be had, but not many workers. So pray the master of the harvest to send more workers to harvest his fields. Now, again, (laughs) these were not people who kept a small vegetable garden in the backyard as a hobby. Jesus spoke of, of, uh, these were people whose very lives depended on a harvest. So Jesus spoke of evangelism as fishing to emphasize the catching and farming to emphasize that the harvest would soon come. Now the metaphors are just an objective standard for measuring success. The number and quality of fish caught or the amount and quality of the crop harvested. So if you asked a commercial fisherman back then on the Sea of Galilee if he had a good day, you wouldn't hear, yeah, I've been able to throw my net farther than I've ever thrown it before. Good day. Or, or yeah, I'm really good at standing up in the boat now. I used to fall down and fall out. No, no, his answer would be to point to the catch. Many fish equals a good day. So Jesus meant for us to catch and harvest many people with the good news of, here it is again, the kingdom of God. And the most productive tool for evangelism, bar none, guess what it is? Church planting. And the vineyard is a church planting movement. We're now in something like, I think, Reese, correct me if I'm wrong, 93 countries, uh, 2,600 churches, I think, give or take. Uh, So it's only natural that my mission statement for what I do with Global Training Network, they they give me oversight financially and accountability and all that. Uh, My mission statement is to train and empower church planters and leaders who have chosen, and this part's important, despite trials and hardships, because some of these guys have gone through tremendous trials and hardships, to follow Jesus and lead on in the kingdom of God. Now, how is it done? I mean, how do you do that? Well, I call it the brilliance of broken. Let me quote John Wimber. I'm not all that Jesus wants me to be. I'm not not all he's provided for me. I'm not walking in all that I know. I'm trying, but I'm not doing all that well these days. Are you? That leaves me in a broken state, an awareness of, oh God, except for your mercy and except for your grace, (laughs) that's the brilliance of broken. And Wimber goes on, I think it's designed to be that way. I think we're supposed to live in the constant reality that we're not measuring up. Even in his righteousness, even under his mercy, even as a recipient of his grace, I can't walk like Jesus does. I touch on it every now and then. I visit it. And that gives me hope and encouragement for more. But the reality is that we have to constantly live in brokenness. Wimber goes on. The way we do that is is by not developing some sort of external religious thing 
that hides us and puts us in a denial process by which we pretend to be more than we are. Rather, we just learn to live constantly with the awareness that we're not measuring up. That's the brilliance of broken. And that's good news. If you don't measure up, if you can't measure up, then you're constantly asking Jesus to make up the difference. It's pretty hard to act overly religious when you, when you know that you don't measure up and that he's paying the difference. Now, I'm not sure that we ever get incredibly better or stronger or mightier becoming these great men and women of God. I mean, I'm 74 and I ain't there yet. I think we always live in the awareness that we're serving the great God of men and women. Jesus came down to earth. We didn't go up to him. He came to the world. The world didn't come to him. I got saved by a merciful savior, didn't you? Thank God for his mercy. And he's still merciful towards us. Every day of my life, I live in a constant awareness of that. His mercies are new every day. You know, I, I get on a lot of airplanes nowadays, and uh, I still don't like to fly, Reese. <laughs> Hate it. Um, and I, I got my Bose earplugs, you know, uh, noise cancellation earplugs, and I put them on. I don't do movies. I don't read books. I mean, I'll be on a plane ten and a half hours. Uh, I put these earbuds on, and I put my worship music on, and I just stay in a state of worship, gratefulness, thankfulness. And I, I think, God, this is incredible. I was a shy kid who wouldn't get up in college and speak in front of my class. And now you send me to all these different countries to do the stuff that Jesus did, heal the sick, cast out demons, raise the dead, preach the kingdom of God, ministry with the poor. I mean, God, you're, you're awesome. I, I spoke in um, my church in, in uh, Charlotte, Denver, and uh, I did ministry time, and I, I felt like I had a word from the Lord, and I, I gave it, and I, I, it went something like this, actually very close, actually maybe this is a verbatim. Uh, I think there's a young lady here who, uh, when you were a kid, you, you caught the fever, you wanted to do missions, but you haven't done anything about it and you haven't done any missions to date and it's been years mystery time happens different people get prayed for and and she this young lady comes up she's got her phone and she says look at this look at this said i wrote this yesterday i texted it and this is what it said I wanted, she's texting a friend, I want to go on a mission trip so badly. Her friend says, text back, how come? She texts back to her friend. I wanted to since I was young and just never had the opportunity. I just think it would be life-changing for me and getting to make such a huge impact in kids' lives would really be awesome. Is that cool? This kind of stuff I get to do but you do too. We get to hang out with Jesus who's turned our lives upside down 
through forgiveness, the currency of the kingdom of God. I get to walk through towns and villages, it's been 14 countries in 10 years, with Jesus, and I get to do the stuff that Jesus did. Good news, you do too. You do too. And that's the brilliance of broken. So I'm on the plane, and I'm listening to my worship music, and I'm thanking God all the way home. Sometimes it's a three-hour flight, sometimes it's a four, sometimes it's long. And uh, I'm thanking God, and I'm just so grateful. And I'm thinking, I've been married 48 years to the most wonderful girl that lets me go do this stuff. It's not easy for her. I have 11 grandkids, four kids, last one's adopted out of Ukraine. After we left here 20 years ago, we adopted him. He's got a little boy right now. So I got four kids, I got 11 grandkids, they all live in the Charlotte area, they all come to, come to my church, not my church, but you know, the church I go to now, I'm retired, uh, except for this. 51 years, <laughs> 50, 51 years in ministry, I had the joy of planting this church. Risa Mary Mary, I, I still remember. I remember the day you walked in the door, flowing Wells Road, the little warehouse with the fan going that took all of our sheet music and, <laughs> with it. And, and I was leading worship, and Reese stayed. <laughs> I mean, he sang with the Oral Roberts singers. He's a great musician. I don't know if you guys, I don't, do you ever lead? Anyhow, he's, he's an incredible worship leader. And he stayed. And eventually, and what I really appreciated him, he, he, never, he never threw his credentials at me. You know, I, I don't think you got up on stage for at least six months. You know, humble guy. So, and then around, let's see, I left, I think after 16 years, and Reese, you just informed me, it's been like 20 years since I left and planted a, a church in Charlotte. And I, I think, I, I'm just thanking God the whole trip, and I thank God for uh, people like you guys in my life. I, I thank God for people I have a relationship with in so many countries around the world, and I thank God for the people whose shoulders I stand on, and I thank God for the brilliance of broken, that he would use people the likes of you and I. And 10 years ago, in the midst of absolute burnout, I discovered Global Training Network. And I was re-energized. That's another story for another day, but I was re-energized. And then four years ago, at the age of 70, I retired from my local vineyard church and I went full-time with Global Training Network. And it's, boy, it started off slow, but it's really gained momentum. And, and just in the last, the last five months, I've been in nine countries. Um, uh, now, Bonnie and I went to Ireland, Scotland. That was just for us, non-ministry. Used my miles. I get a lot of miles, so put them to use. And, uh, uh, but I've trained in six countries. And uh, then on the way out of Ukraine, just, uh, just four weeks ago, I guess, uh, I, I spent some time in Budapest. Uh, but I've been to, I'm just going to give you a, just a little synopsis here, because this is, this is the fun part. Uh, been to Panama. 
and I met this guy my last trip to Panama. And uh, he invited me to come into the mountains. He's an in, in indigenous uh, guy from the tribes. I can't pronounce the name of the tribe. I can't even spell it. I actually forget it. Uh, but, but someone asked me, what tribe are you going to? I said, I don't know. I just fly in and they take me. Um, and uh, so we're going up into the mountains, though. And he says he's going to have 100 pastors there for me to train. Uh, and it, it's rather interesting because the indigenous really don't like the government control in Panama, so they live up in the mountains, and uh, I got to bring a hammock and a tent, and I hadn't done that since 10 years ago when I went to South, uh, South Sudan. Um, and, then, and then I was also in Guatemala. Uh, th these guys, you see the, on my left? No, on my right? Uh, two Salvadorians. Uh, I'm working. I, I, we got about 25 young people in El Salvador. I got church planters come there, and musicians, and worship leaders, and these two guys are potential church planters. So, what do you do with a potential church planter? You bring them with you, and they've grown by leaps and bounds. And Josue, the guy in the middle, uh, he just told me the other day. He says, "Thor, I, he's an IT guy." I've got two more years of university. He says, Thor, I feel like God's calling me in to go to seminary. I said, awesome, man. That's really great. But I kind of knew it already, you know? And uh, uh, so now he's, he he's kind of coordinates all the Central American countries that I go to for me. And uh, I'm, I'm trying to raise some money to get him on staff, uh, small salary, because he, he really works hard. And then he travels with me. Uh, and so... Uh, yeah, and then in El Salvador, I've been fortunate enough to uh, teach uh, seminary uh, students too. Uh, Ukraine uh, is another place I've been, that, that's been really recently, uh, um, crossing the border from Hungary and Ukraine. The border patrol says, uh, I gave my passport, and we had to wait about 30 minutes, and he comes back, he says, uh, USA. I said, yeah. He goes, God bless the USA. I said, God bless Ukraine. And uh, that's the kind of greeting you get in, in Ukraine. Um, but we did a conference in Ukraine for 70 pastors from all over. Uh, about half of them were vineyard and half of them were independent pastors from all over Ukraine. Uh, and uh, God showed up. It was really cool. I met this guy named Rudy. He's a vineyard pastor. He's planted a, a few vineyard churches. But he also leads the Family of Christ International Charity. They have delivered 700 tons of aid to the front lines. Uh, there's these tires right there. These tires were bought by the vineyard, about $20,000 worth of, title, of tires. And what they do, they go into uh, Germany, they buy cars and vans that are just beat to smithereens, they bring them back to Ukraine, they fix them up. I saw their body shop and everything. They fix these things up, put new tires on them, because... When you go to the front, you don't want bad tires. And so they bring these cars to the front and they give them to soldiers. And uh, it's pretty cool what they do. They bring aid, they bring blankets, uh, not just to soldiers, but also to the civilians that are at the front. You know, there's still a lot of civilians left that can't get out. And uh, so, and then next picture, I, I, I hung out with these guys. These are the guys that would load up the cars and bring aid, water, and everything to the front. 
uh, 700 tons. Now, just to give you an idea how much that is, the Red Cross brought 750 tons to the front. So these guys are really doing it. Uh, and then after the conference was over, uh, not only did I hang out with these guys, but I made a trip to an orphanage of little munchkins like these guys, all the way down to little babies. Aren't they cute? And, uh, but they, these, are, these are the orphans. Uh, many of their parents have been killed. They have a little door where you can slide the baby that you don't want or can't handle in, and it's secure, and the orphanage will take care. And, uh, and Rudy, the guy I told you about, he's funding that also through his international ministry. Um, and then I visited wounded soldiers. I, I got one-on-one uh, -on -one with about 20 different guys, missing arms. It was the orthopedic hospital. They were missing arms, legs, some of them missing fingers. We had a blast. We could really relate. And, and uh, so, but, but I really messed up. On the second guy I spoke with, um, I said, Instead of thank you for your service, I, I, you know, I tell them, you know, in America we thank our servicemen for their service, and so, so I want to thank you for your service. Well, I, I messed up. I, I really messed up. I said thank you for your sacrifice, and he said, he said sacrifice, sacrifice. This is no sacrifice. I'm protecting my kids, my family, my country. I stood corrected. Uh, and, then, and then, towards the end of the trip, I preached in an independent church on Sunday. And you see that picture, and that was really cool, because there were a lot of immigrants from the front lines, uh, people who had their houses and apartment buildings blown up, and they were here. They were, many of them were depressed, no home. Uh, it was pretty tough. And uh, I talked about depression and how Paul went through depression, and and we had a ministry time. It was pretty powerful. It was pretty cool. Uh, and then a number of years ago, I was asked, uh, well, I, I was at MLM. Reese, you're probably there. And they, they said, we don't have a partnership in El Salvador. And I'm thinking, I kind of like places, you know, that have a degree of danger. And uh, been to a few. And uh, I said, well, that's a dangerous place. I think I'd like to go there. <laughs> I mean, why not, you know? And, and so I, I signed up, and I, I took my first trip to El Salvador. Well, I, I made, ooh, I, I don't know how many trips. I've lost count. And, um, uh, but my last trip, we, I did a thing with uh, Harvest Seminary. Uh, I did church planting conference with them. We had about 50 there, uh, four diff different denominations represented. And um, I was uh, dressed rather, rather casual, you know, my, my shirt was, I, I cleaned up for you. My, my shirt was unbuttoned, and I just had, you know, jeans on, and I walked in. And this guy, this guy, he, he's a pastor. He's the first one there. I said, hi, I'm Thor. He stands there looking upside down the head, looking at me. And, and he, he says, he said, do you have any experience in planting churches? <laughs> I said, huh, a little bit. I didn't tell him. A little bit. Well, we went through the training. When training was over, he said, 
would you come train my hundred church planters? I said, yeah. So we're working on, we actually have a date, but we're, we're working on it still. And then there, there's Fred in Mazalan, uh, Sinaloa State, where, you know, Sinaloa Cartel and all that, the drugs that come over and everything. And Fred's there, Fred called him as a United States citizen, but he, he's been in Mazalan for 40 years uh, and uh, just, just incredible. Uh, this picture of the dump ministry, it's a ministry that they do twice a week. They feed, bring bottled water to the dump. And there's people that actually live in the dump, on the dump, in the dump. And I talked to a second generation girl who was pregnant and she's been there all her life. Her parents lived in the dump. And uh, so the vineyard's very active there. Fred has 17 different communities out in the outlines, uh, way out, all around. Uh, Mexican government has reached the point where they give him land because they're so impressed with what he does. Uh, and so he called me up and says, Thor, uh, would you come? I said, yeah. And then after I came, he says, would you, would you, I, I, I'm going to give you something to do. I said, okay. He says, would you raise up 17 church planters to take, to pastor these 17 communities? Because Fred's getting old. He's about as old as Reese, I think. Um, I'm kidding. I'm older than Fred's older than me by a couple years. Um, so Fred, when I get home, Fred sends me a text. He says, Thor, I'm not going to tell anyone how great a teacher you are because I don't want to share you. I can't believe no one else has discovered you. I wrote him back. Ha ha, Fred, I didn't tell you that I've trained over 5,000 leaders, about 2,000 church planters from 20 plus denominations in 14 different countries during the last 10 years. So here's the thing, guys. Here's the thing. When one pastor, church planter, is trained, over 100 people are impacted. That's the average size of, of a church plant. Add to that the lives touched outside the church by those people. So if 100 pastors are trained, and each pastor, each person in the church influences 10 other friends and family through their testimony, potentially 100,000 people are impacted. I did the math. Out of 5,000 leaders that I've trained, 2,000 plus have been church planters. Many of these church planters, and I'm not even including this, have planted five to eight to 15 to 20 churches by themselves and then given them away. Potentially, that's over 2 million people impacted for the gospel through what I've done in 10 years. That's... Yeah. Well, he's done it, and, and it's the brilliance of broken, I can tell you that. But here's the question. What can you do? Understand this. You can do. You qualify. Jesus says, come. Follow me. 
and I'll have you fishing for people. Now, some of the places I go, I, I don't have a lot of people that are standing in line saying, can I go? I mean, you know, El Salvador, there was a civil war on. I'm, I'm sorry, not El Salvador. South Sudan, there was a civil war on. I've been there five times. Sinaloa State in Mexico, not everybody's thrilled about going there. El Salvador, when I signed up, was pretty close to the murder capital of the world. I don't think it was number one, but it was up there. It's safe now. Uh, Ukraine, a little dicey. Um, uh, I, I remember my first trip to South Sudan, I, I had watched Machine Gun Preacher. You seen the movie? Machine Gun Preacher? Well, long story short, the Lord's Resistant Army had, had stolen his orphans. This is a pastor, he's working with orphans. They stole his orphans, and they were going to put them in the Lord's Resistant Army and uh, child soldiers. And he says, no, that's not, not, that's not going to cut the mustard. He got himself an AK-47, and he went after them. And he got them, got them back. I watched the movie. I posted on Facebook. I said, just watch Machine Gun Preacher. It makes you think. At which point, within 10 seconds, my friend Mark Walker, who'd been to South Sudan, uh, you want to go? I said, hmm, Mark, I'll get back to you on that. I got to think of a reason not to go. Uh, but then I found out that Mark Fields, head of uh, missions for the vineyard in the U.S., uh, was going on the trip too. Reese, I said, Mark's going. Hey, we'll be Okay. I mean, he's an important guy. And then Phil, our national director, called up Mark Fields and said, Mark, you're not going. You're not expendable. <laughs> so Mark Walker and I were going, oh, we're the expendables. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, and, and we went to where we were in Bohr. We landed in Juba. Took a, they were going to drive. I said, no, guys, we're not driving to Bohr. Four-hour drive is very dangerous. I said, we're going to rent a little airplane, and we did, and they flew us in, and a uh, little thing. I, I don't know if it was safer, to be honest with you, but we made it. And um, uh, there were 200-plus people killed there the weekend before, right where we were. And uh, so the first night, we're sleeping. We got our hammocks strung. We got galvanized steel, in, you know, boxed in. It's, it's the church galvanized steel, and then open area, and then galvanized roof. And we're all asleep, and we hear uh, AK-47 going off just like right across the street from us. And I go, oh, cool, man. I got a story. And then I said, oh, crud. I don't have a plan B. And it turned out okay, though. The, uh, the, the guy said, all you white guys, don't go out. I qualify. There's a full moon. And these guys went out. They would give their lives for us. They checked it out, and it, it turned out okay. Uh, and uh, <laughs> so what can you do? Come. You can come. Jason Wallace, guy traveled with me for years and still traveling with me now and then. Uh, he's now a vineyard pastor. Uh, and uh, Jason, I, I told everybody in my church, I'm going to South Sudan. Jason comes up to me and says, Thor, um, I want to go with you. I said, Jason, um, you can get killed. He goes, I, I want to go. 
I said, okay, Jason, I want to, I'm going to say this really, really slow. You know, this is one of those read my lips thing, you know. Jason, you can get killed. He said, I want to go. I said, okay, you're in. Let's go. Jason's been traveling with me ever since. And uh, so you can, you can come or find what the Lord has for you and go. And because uh, there's something, he can use you. Uh, the second one is give. Give. Sacrificially. Rishi, remember how I used to, I, I've been doing this for 20 years since I left you guys. Uh, I, I asked my church, give up Christmas. Give up your Christmas presents. If you got kids, just buy one for each kid. Bonnie and I have done that for 30 years. And all of a sudden, and then give that money to the Compassion Fund, where God can really put it to a better use. And you're going to find that as you give this stuff away, that Jesus Christ becomes alive in your family at Christmas. Not to mention you're setting a great example for your kids. Um, So give sacrificially. Give until it hurts. Give beyond it where it hurts. Give up up Christmas. And uh, just do that. You'll you'll be so glad you did it. And then partner. Partner with the Lord. Partner with your church. Uh, You know, I raise all my own support. Uh, it's tough, but I do it because I, I, I have no trouble asking for money for Jesus. That's, that's my timer. Reese told me, you have 35 minutes, and we have a trap door. <laughs> so so I'm, I'm done. Uh, so like I said, you know, I raise all my own support, so you can... You can Partner with your church. You can also partner with me. Check out my website, thorkolberg.org, and you'll get lots of stories. Lots of stories. You can read for two hours. Okay, I'm good.